Nisan Bolivinaka, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Ngo Okoroi Hawkins. Coming up. I think there is a willingness, but it's very easy to default to the one-size-fits-all model. Pacific leaders are challenging Health New Zealand to do better in caring for Pacifica communities. To develop leaders, leadership capability and leadership programs in the security sector. Papua New Guinea security forces are to benefit from a new leadership facility and... They've probably been the most affected because they've had no income. Small businesses in Samoa are struggling to cope amid the country's COVID-19 lockdowns. Pacific health leaders are standing firm in their challenge to Aotearoa's new health authority to ensure it is not a one-size-fits-all system. They say the pandemic has proven it doesn't work and a bespoke approach cutting out bureaucracy is needed to ensure equity. RNZ Pacific's Lydia Lewis has spoken with three of Aotearoa's Pacific Health leaders, including the Ministry of Health's Pacific Health Director, about the new health reforms, next steps and what they mean for Pacifica. It's not long now until Health NZ replaces the country's current health system. The move comes at a time where change is clearly needed and where decades of entrenched health inequities have been exacerbated by COVID-19. I take it quite seriously. Someone like me needs to continue to advocate and hold the new health system to account. I think there is a willingness to do it better, but uh, it's very easy to default back to the um, one-size-fits-all model because that's easy. That's what we've all done, but we need to be smarter and people like me need to keep reminding the system. Dr. Api Dalimaitonga is not only a frontline worker dealing with serious health needs in his community as a GP in Auckland, he is also the chair of the Pacifica GP network and was in the Immunisation Implementation Advisory Group. He says bureaucracy has caused major setbacks throughout the pandemic. One example, Pacific Health leaders advocated very strongly for the Pacific vaccination age range to be lowered from the get-go. That would have really worked well right from the beginning. But that advice was not taken up and it caused a lot of the delay in getting this vulnerable group of people uh, immunised. Pacific community members have had the highest number of hospitalisations throughout the pandemic. In the Delta and Omicron outbreaks alone, there have been more than 100,000 Pacific cases. It feels certainly for our partners and ourselves as though we have barely been able to take a breath for the last two years. Debbie Sorensen is the chief executive for the Pacifica Medical Association, which has been frustrated at how slow COVID-19 funding has been rolled out. She says Pacific COVID-19 case numbers did not need to be this high, and it was made clear early on in the pandemic a bespoke approach to COVID was needed. I think we could have avoided the large case numbers for Pacific if we had acted faster on providing ethnic-specific vaccination drives and incentives. Our providers really just needed to have been given the resources to do the job that they do so well. On top of the entire health system needing a rewrite, Pacific Health provider, the FONO, has revealed $200 million is needed in Auckland alone to bolster the community response to COVID-19. 
That is on top of funding that has already been provided. The Ministry of Health's Pacific Health Director, Geraldine Clifford Lidstone, says she has heard the call. This is what the health reforms are uh, meant to be achieving, and I, I think it would be naive to think that this isn't just a response to Pacific Health. This is actually a major systemic dilemma that needs to be addressed, and I feel confident that we're aware of what the issues are. Now the challenge is how do we respond in a way that will address those inequities that exist within the system. Dr Apitali Maitonga says some encouraging changes have already been made by the government. Proof authorities can move forward. I'm so pleased that this year, because we are going into the flu season, the ministry has taken that on board and improved access to lower age groups for Māori and Pacific as was advocated uh, two years ago. So that's fantastic. You know, it shows we're learning. He sure hopes they will deliver, but he is cautiously optimistic and says he will not shy away from telling it how it is. This is what didn't work, so let's not go down that track again. But this is what worked. And do you think you can advocate for Pacific within Health New Zealand? Geraldine Clifford Lidstone says she is all for communities mobilising and having their voices heard because traditionally. Well, we haven't been heard. Dr. Api Talimaitonga says Pacifica will be heard. Consultation for the new health authority opens soon. The Papua New Guinea Defence Force has a new leadership centre built in conjunction with New Zealand at its Murray Barracks in Port Moresby. The new facility, modelled on what New Zealand has been doing in terms of military leadership training for some time, was opened today by the PNG Minister of Defence, Win Daki, Chief of the PNG Defence Force, Major General Mark Goiner, and New Zealand High Commissioner Philip Taula. Head of the NZDF Specific Leader Development Programme, Lieutenant Colonel Gordon Millwood, told Don Wiseman more about the facility. The big picture is it's part of uh, a government of New Zealand program funded by MFAT and NZDF together, but delivered by uh, New Zealand to develop leaders, leadership capability and leadership programs in the security sector with four of our Pacific partners being PNG, Fiji, Tonga and Vanuatu. So the leadership centre in PNG is one part of that program, overall program. Okay, and this facility at the Army Barracks in Port Moresby that was opened, what actually is it? What have, what have you got there? We designed it with the uh, Papua New Guinea Defence Force so that it's a facility where the dedicated leader development staff who we help train and develop uh, can be based. There's classrooms there or lecture rooms so they can have students there. Overall, it's a place where leaders can come and go to through the whole journey of their career to uh, learn about leadership uh, at the various levels that they have to become leaders through the organisation. I mean, often organisations, they might do a little bit about leadership and it's, you know, do a course or one experience and that's it. We've learned in the New Zealand Defence Force that you actually need to be with people on the journey and help them to not only become better personal leaders, but understand how to add value as leaders at the different levels of the organisation as they progress through it. And so we've helped develop a a centre for Papua New Guinea to do the same. Will you have your people, NZ Defence Force people there, uh, running it, teaching? 
Sometimes, but we've taken the approach that we work with our partners to help them uh, to help themselves. You know, it's, it's the old adage, we're not teaching them to fish. Uh, no, we're, not, we're not fishing for them, we're teaching them to fish. So, so we're helping develop a capability. And the capability is not just the place of learning, in this case, a leadership centre. It's the people uh, who can take others on the journey. It's helping them develop a whole framework and a body of knowledge around uh, leadership and their whole program of courses. So we're supporting them to develop all of this so that they can help themselves. Now, as we help them set up, we do a lot of that ourselves, but our, our aim is that we help them to, to do what we're doing. But we also help them to develop uh, programs and a framework that meets their specific organisational and cultural needs. Yes, I imagine being able to do it themselves is hugely important to a defence force like the PNG Defence Force. It's a, it's a very proud uh, military, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I was fortunate enough to be New Zealand Defence Advisor to the Papua New Guinea Defence Force from 2008-2010. In fact, that's the then uh, Commander Peter Elau. We'd visited New Zealand and uh, in the early days of what we currently have with our leadership capability here in New Zealand, we visited Burnham and Christchurch and we saw the Army Leadership Framework, which is one of the early uh, parts of what we've now got. And uh, the Commander Peter Elau was so impressed by that. He said, oh, we need some of this in PNG. So we, we ran a leadership workshop in Papua New Guinea back in uh, mid-2010. And it's kind of created this fire and desire amongst uh, the PNGDF to have something similar. And of course, we've continued to develop in the New Zealand Defence Force. And this relationship has continued over all that time. Now, here we are 14 years later, and I've got a uh, leadership centre so or 12 years later, and they've got a leadership centre. It's fantastic. As you say, there are going to be similar facilities in Vanuatu, Tonga and Fiji. Absolutely. Uh, well, it's just not just the place, the facility, because anyone can build something. To, to build a capability that's living and, and a partnership, mutually a partnership where you're working together as partners, going into the future together as leader developers, that's what it's all about. So whilst we will be building leadership centres, we're also, and we're actively doing that and have been for the last two and a half years, building complete capabilities uh, in those other three nations as well, in the same way that I've explained for PNG. Samoa's Chamber of Commerce Chief Executive, Lemonga Hobart Vine, says while he supports the government's efforts to contain the spread of COVID-19, businesses are struggling under lockdown. Lemonga says the government needs to adjust lockdown restrictions to allow people in the private sector to work so they can get paid. He spoke with RNZ Pacific reporter Susanna Suisuiki, who began by asking what impacts the lockdown has had on businesses in Samoa. It's been across the border, Susanna. It's, um, it's been challenging. The whole lockdown has been, um, it's affected every business. I mean, the chamber is not limited to like corporates. It's, it's open to all types of businesses. So everybody's been affected from your manufacturers to your exporters. Uh, all the way to your your corporates, uh, you know, your small businesses, everybody's been affected. But I think um, if your question was who's been the most affected, I mean, what's happened in the last week or so, uh, the last two weeks, is we've opened up our communications to um, to allow the informal sector, you know, your small village-based businesses, mm. you know, the moms and dads, the pop shops, the ones who do the the stores and uh, at the canteens, at the schools, the taxi drivers. I mean, they've probably been the most affected uh, because they've had no income, no income whatsoever. And some of them do get some money from their families overseas, but uh, there are pockets of those who re- rely solely 
uh, on, on being open. And for the essential services, yeah, it's only been limited to a few businesses. So which businesses are able to trade at the moment and what do the lockdown restrictions permit? So basically, um, it's essential has been classified as our shops, you know, those who sell food, our supermarkets, food items, our pharmacies. Yeah, it's basically in the banks, of course, because, you know, so much of remittance comes into our country. The money transfer, the banks uh, need to remain open. So, so from all of this, has the government provided any support for businesses during lockdown? We'll probably find that at the end, um, as we move towards the end of the second week. I mean, we're asking... At the moment, everything's pretty much uh, band-aid us, Usana. It's basically trying to support our government in getting the vaccination rollouts and, you know, assessing the um, the lockdown levels week by week, you know, um, because we also understand where the government's coming from. They're trying to get the vax rates up. They're trying to stop people from moving around. So I think that'll be assessed towards the end of the second week as moving forward. But we are uh, putting in submissions to our governments, uh, our cabinets, and some of the individual ministers to basically highlight what's happening in um, the business community at the moment. So are you happy with the Ministry of Health's COVID response so far? Um, you know, that's, that's to be assessed at a later time. I know they're also struggling as well. I mean, that's something we'll probably have to look at holistically. But, you know, it's at the moment, everything, we're just trying to do our best to support them as well in their vaccination drives. Because they're going through a lot of capacity issues as well. Um, I mean, for us, we're doing our part of basically trying to support our community at this time um, but you know are they doing you know we we can't vet that because we're not we're not doctors you know we're we're basically there trying to support our our, our, our private sector businesses but mm. we're also at the same time lobbying them saying you know is there opportunities for us to open up further um, but they're the ones who give the green light in the end whether it's safe enough to do so so given that we've had covid you know spread around the world and stuff for like the past two years do you think Samoa was well prepared yes. for, for an outbreak well, it depends. On, well, if you're talking from a business uh, community perspective, mm. I would say some of the larger businesses are more prepared. Mm. But it's really the smaller to informal businesses that are that are uh, that are that need need more support. I mean, I can only talk about our business community. Yeah. Uh, National-wise, you know, I think no country is ever prepared for what COVID has done to their country. So we'll probably have to see how things are assessed moving forward. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, post this 14th. Um, Day lockdown, uh, we're just going to have to do a reconciliation on, on what we could do better moving forward. Yeah, uh, fair, fair but, you know, everybody's been prepping for it, but you know, as these variants tend to change, then of course the preparation plans change as well. But just um, going back to the business side of things, how have staffing levels been impacted by the outbreak of COVID in Samoa? I think for the businesses that have contacted us, it's the challenge of keep, keep on paying people while we're on lockdown. And that's why, you know, they need to to open up uh, or find a level of restriction, going down level of restrictions to allow people to work. Uh, because unlike our government colleagues, you know, the private sector, it's pretty simple. We don't work. We don't get income. Um, people can't get paid. I yeah. mean, it's the same everywhere. And, and, that's, and that's the real challenge. You know, we support the issues around safety. But um, like I said uh, before, um, the informal economy is... Um, struggling if anything breaks it's going to break from the bottom um and it's going to go upwards if we continue to have restrictions but you know we're doing our best to get everybody to comply to the soes mm. uh making sure everyone gets their boosters and vaccinations you know we can push as much as possible but we're going to have to look towards uh and i think we're all working towards a plan to to uh, moving forward as our prime minister said to live with COVID. 
but you know, at the moment, everything is just we're just trying to deal with the day-to-day issues. And and for us, you know, it's dealing with a, a broad range of businesses. Uh, you know, you know, everyone from your taxi drivers struggling, your the buses that want to go on the road, the barbers, uh, the cafe owners. So you know, it's um, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's a struggle at the moment, but, you know, we're just trying to navigate through the whole lockdown. Is there enough food supplies for people in Samoa during lockdown? Has it impacted the delivery of food and water around Upolu, Savai, Manono and Apolima? At the moment, it's fine. I mean, um, we haven't received any issues yet. At the moment, it's fine. Uh, we're very fortunate that government has um, is continuing the supply of food uh, allowing while they have to, of course, they're, and they're doing a great job of doing it. Mm-hmm. But so far, there hasn't been really any issues popping up. That brings us to the end of Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Mode Mandang.